slash and cast. All right, folks. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I'm your host, Justin, here with a quick word before we dive in. Now, in this episode, my buddy Daniel is back with me, and we chat with musician Andrew DeCogna about heavy metal, Iron Flame, Icarus Witch, the 80s, of course, black metal, Transformers, sick album art, and more. Also, if you'd like to check out or potentially purchase any of Iron Flame's music, I'm going to include the link to their band camp in the description. Anyway, without further ado, here you go. and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Won't you take us back in time to when you were a youngster? You know, were you a book reader, fort builder, troublemaker, or all of them? I was not a troublemaker. I was a good kid. I mean, I guess I was a book reader. I was kind of a loner for being the last in line of seven children. All of my siblings are sisters, so... Wow. Um, oh, man. I kind of... I don't know. It's kind of a natural black sheep kind of thing. Mm. They all like bonded with each other. And of course, you know, the gender thing, uh, we really didn't bond. And there was a pretty big generational gap between me and my youngest sister. So I, in a lot of ways, I kind of grew up like an only child. I, I was a little sheltered growing up as far as I had really, I had much older, stricter parents. So they didn't let me go out and socialize a whole lot. And so, yeah, I kept to myself a good bit. So, and uh, I've always been enamored with literature folklore mythology things like that so yeah yeah i was a pretty introverted kid growing up what yeah, decade I mean, is this if you don't mind me interrupting no not at all like uh, what decade are we talking like with you growing up you know you say you know the oh, yeah. child of the 80s for Please sure. Please continue. Yeah, born in 76. But yeah, I mean, I got in just as much trouble as any teenager would get into, <laughs> you know, staying out late, getting busted for smoking and drinking, <laughs> and minor crimes and things of the like. But, you know, I never, did, I never did stray down a totally bad path, thankfully. You know, never went to jail and I never went to juvenile corrections or anything like that. But, you know, the, the normal kid stuff growing up. 
Well, kids in the 80s, strict parents, that means you were probably knee-deep in the satanic panic, if not elbow-deep, huh? Oh, according to my sisters, yes. I was definitely a devout <laughs> Satan worshiper. <laughs> uh, I had a Metallica Damage Incorporated shirt that I used to love to wear all the time. And, of course, that was a clear sign of the devil. Oh, so. yeah, it was. I had a white T-shirt because my parents, the hell, they ain't no way in hell they let me have that. I had a yeah. white T-shirt. I took a Sharpie, and I drew the Metallica logo <laughs> in black Sharpie. Yeah, you did my book bag. And then whenever I get to school, switch shirts. Nice. <laughs> or if I go to a party or so, <laughs> hell yeah. Yeah. I like it. Covert. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I went to school. I went to Catholic school for like the first nine years of school. And that right, right at the end is when I got introduced to metal. You know, a new kid at school introduced me to, well, I discovered Maiden on my own. I was just starting to get into Metallica. And he's like, well, what about Overkill? And what about Nuclear <laughs> Assault? And what about Slayer? And Slayer, of course, was the big life changer. I remember listening to South of Heaven before I got on the school bus and thinking to myself, this is so wrong but i like it i'm gonna do it anyway <laughs> yeah i so. wanted to ask like what was your because you know we've all had them like the life-changing albums and stuff so for you it was slayer south of heaven like well i mean music in general the very first one was sticks the grand illusion it was a, a record that my sisters had left behind when they moved out so that was like my first discovery of music i guess that wasn't like radio music and then maiden seven son of a seven son was like <laughs> the first metal discovery that i ever made so that was truly mind-blowing and life-changing and then i'd say the the next one after that had to be south of heaven because it, it just it was just everything it was musical it was like the most extreme music that i'd ever heard at the time and then the lyrics and the imagery were just so sick and dark and evil and twisted yeah definitely a life changer just made you want to pick up the nearest 20-sided die and play dungeons and dragons huh yes i mean according <laughs> to the parents back then that's, that's what we would do of course. <laughs> so you play every instrument, Andrew. What was your first one? Technically, my first one was bass. My brother-in-law at the time was a bass player slash keyboard player. So he worshipped. Oh, he worshipped Van Halen. He worshipped. He really worshipped Rush. I told him that I wanted to play an instrument. And he's like, well, here, I have an extra one. So he, he let me borrow one of those Steinberger aliens, which if you know anything about those bases, they were like the really skinny ones. They really didn't have much of a body to them, and they didn't have a headstock. Right. They were so cool. Was Remember, that was total so awesome. 80s instrument, right? I um, want one so bad. Well, what was nice was I didn't realize until I picked up an instrument for the first time that I'm left-handed. So it was pretty comfortable to just flip it around and play it upside down, and that's how I learned to play play and I just started playing everything from like Iron Man the main riff in Iron Man and I was listening to uh like MOD a lot at that point too and like DRI and I was learning a lot of the bass lines from like crossover bands like that that so that's what started it and started jamming with a couple of guys and yeah I ended up playing bass but you know it was like every other band it's a band but you're really just hanging out in somebody's bedroom with holding the instrument not really doing much of anything else you know it wasn't long after that that I accidentally I discovered I had a, a little bit of a vocal range and no one else in my circle of friends did whatsoever they couldn't carry a tune in a bucket so by default I just ended up being a vocalist from that point on it kind of carried on ever since but bass was my very first stringed instrument do you consider bass your go-to now even like if you're just sitting around about to jam well, is that the first I thing mean, you go to i'm in 
three active bands and the only band that I, I play an instrument in is Brimstone Coven and I, that, that's what I play is bass and vocals so yeah I think that's definitely the instrument I'm most most comfortable with I love playing guitar and drums I just I'm you know I don't think I suck at guitar but I'm definitely not like a solo player I'm a rhythm player and I'm a pretty solid one but I like playing it sitting down and playing it but like in a live atmosphere where i have to like concentrate and play really cleanly no <laughs> um and drums too like i love playing drums i'm just super limited in my abilities to play you know i could play little bursts of decent beats you know enough to record and that's about it i could never play like in a live band setting i would run out of steam in like two minutes <laughs> but i love playing all that stuff you know it's just not what what comes naturally to me Nice. So what was your first band? What was it called? Huh. What was it called? <laughs> I think it was, well, I, you know, honestly, I don't even remember. Like the, the one where we're talking about with the kids just hanging out in the bedroom. I don't even remember that. that but the count. first band that I ever played live in front of people was called yeah. Aftermath. And we just played covers. We were we were lucky. We had some pretty talented people for our age. And we would do Slayer and we would do Testament, Nuclear Assault and Pantera and all those late 80s, early 90s thrash bands. We had a guitar player. He was actually, we were all 16, but our guitar player was 14. He was amazing at like aping people's styles. Like if he was playing guitar and you closed your eyes, you would think Kirk Hammett was playing or you would think Alex Skolnick was playing. I mean, and these are, you know, really prestigious guitar players, but he could really mimic their, especially their lead guitar style really well. So we were, we, I guess we were pretty popular amongst the 16-year-old kids <laughs> and the other 16-year-old kids that we, we were playing bands in. But yeah, Aftermath, that was probably 1992 or 93. And where was this at? Like, where were y'all playing? What state were you from? I'm from West Virginia, born and raised in the uh, northern panhandle of West Virginia, and a lot of people don't know anything about West Virginia, even that it's a state. So I've, <laughs> I've definitely been to places around the country that thought West Virginia was just West Western Virginia. But um, so where are y'all from? South Carolina. Yeah. Okay. South Carolina. Okay, so you know that yeah, West we... Virginia is in fact a state, yeah. and um, yes, a you might know it's kind of shaped like this. Okay. <laughs> I never so, thought about that. So this is the northern panhandle. I'm from like right about here uh, in Wheeling. Yeah, Wheeling, West Virginia. But we're, that panhandle shoots up and it's like kind of right in between uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania too. Oh, shit. So, so you have um, plenty of places to play. Yes. Yeah. But that's where I started was like the Ohio Valley area mm. is what you would call it. We would just play all age shows that were rented out church gyms and community centers and just play for a bunch of kids and have fun. Those were the days. <laughs> yes, they were. What was your first live, your very first live show? Do you remember it? Did it go off without a hitch or? I remember it very well. Yeah, I was, I think I was 16 and it was at a place called the Blaskovich Community Center. It was with four or five other kid bands and there was a, a band, a local band that was maybe five or six years older than us. They were like early 20s. And they were the ones that would spearhead these events and put them together. You know, they were smart and they knew if they got a couple of 
16-year-old kids' bands on the bill, then they'd bring all their friends. So, you know, they'd make more money. They'd have more people in front of them. And they were doing the same thing. They were playing, like, you know, Megadeth and Anthrax and Halloween, all these really good, heavier thrash bands and doing it really well. So it was cool because it was kind of a training camp to us. It was a group of people that were accessible enough to where we were, you know, we could sit there and, and watch them play. But there was enough of an age gap to where there was kind of an idolatry thing going on mm. there too so that we had somebody to look up to it was really cool uh, i don't know if i'd be here having this conversation with y'all if it wasn't for that whole time in my life really so like you said you played many genres you've been playing for a long time i guess how do you get from your early bands to iron flame i know it's a long gap there it is because i told you the first bands that i was exposed to and from that point on i began to just seek out everything that was as extreme as possible so you know as soon as i heard like beneath the remains from sepultura i heard that and i heard harmony corruption from napalm death right around the same time in 1990 when they came out and i just was obsessed with everything extreme from that point on so i dove headfirst into death metal into grindcore and was obsessed with that for you know a few years while it was popular and then that second wave of black metal came out from scandinavia eastern europe so i became obsessed with you know bands like abigor and Ulver, dimu borgir things like that and then I kind of I, I kind of got into a more rock kind of phase. You know, yeah, everybody goes through phases, but I never ever stopped listening to the things that I liked at one time. They just kind of accumulated from there. For the longest time, I was in a uh, melodic death metal band called Angel Rust, and that's where I really kind of cut my teeth playing guitar and doing extreme vocals. That band lasted a good long while, a good bit of I think almost ten years. That broke up, and the guitar player from that band and I continued writing music, and we still do to this day under the name Nachachwin, which is basically his baby brainchild as far as the songwriting and everything goes. I, I help with the songwriting, but the riffing and everything like that are all his ideas. So that's been going ever since, and then not long after that, I got recruited into my other friend's band, Brimstone Coven. It started in 2011. A few years in between there, I was singing in a, a traditional heavy metal band called Dafka, and that's where I really learned how to sing melodically. I think I had you know, some raw talent before, but I never really knew how to use it. And everybody in that band were just gigantic lumps of talent. They're incredibly talented people and much more talented than me. And they kind of sculpted me into a proper vocalist. Again, Brimstone Coven's still going strong. We're 11 years in now. So I've been doing a lot of singing in there, but going back to Dafka, our sound guy was also a really good vocalist and he passed away suddenly in 2016 from a brain aneurysm. Dafka did a reunion show to help his family pay for the funeral costs. And I don't know, it kind of stirred up a bunch of old feelings. And then I, I just thought a lot about Chris, the, the guy who passed away. And, you know, I thought, you know, he would be disappointed in me that I hadn't been using my voice for heavy metal in such a long time. So I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna write a heavy metal album for Chris, in honor of Chris. So that's what I did. I and mean, that's what that first Iron Flame album is. And I just intended it to be a single, you know, one shot thing, <laughs> solo album, sell a couple copies, honor my fallen friend and, and then move on. And it just kind of gained a lot of attention and started to blow up. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how that happens. That's Isn't awesome. weird? Yeah, it's very weird. Iron Flame. 
is what hooked us on you. It's interesting to hear the origins of it and stuff. Because, yeah, I mean, just you look at the cover art. I'm, as an 80s kid, yeah. and, like, another podcast of mine that I was doing for a while, Bottom Rack. And that's because walking in the video store as a little kid or the bookstore and stuff is the covers. They don't make them like they used to. Nope. That 70s, 80s, the 70s with this retro futurism. And then the 80s just with this hyper sci-fi optimist effect. And you just you don't get artwork like that. But as a kid, walking through the movie store and you just pick up the box art. And that box art tells a story, you know what I yeah, mean? Dude. <laughs> and it's the same, like your album reflects that same time. Well, yeah, because I'm from that era too. And, uh, you know, back then, that was the bait. That's what sucked <laughs> yeah. you in. You know, you bought, I bought personally, and I know you have too, so many albums just based on the cover art. It sucks you in and you're like, this has to be amazing. This has to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this is a- hopefully you get it home and it is, you know. <laughs> All right. This is, this is no reflection. If you happen to like it or not, I don't care. I'm not judging. I really don't. But as a kid of the eight, favorite cartoons, He-Man. My favorite of uh, favorite my favorite movie of my entire life is Transformers the movie. So I mean there you go. Okay. Yeah, Conan the Barbarian, the Frank Frazetta thing, I saw all of that. So yes. imagine walking through Kmart as a kid and you just you see the artwork and you see this called Molly Hatchet. <laughs> I knew you were that, gonna say it. Like, <laughs> that must be that must be the meanest chick on the planet. But then you find out it's a band. It's like my God. With artwork like that. My favorite band is Demo. So when I'm looking at Molly Hatchet, Right. I hadn't even I didn't even know Demu at the time, but that sound that's going up, that symphonic, yeah. hyper flesh god apocalypse death metal symphony, that's right. what I'm hearing, but looking at right. Molly Hatchet. <laughs> Imagine my surprise. Imagine my I surprise. <laughs> I got hoodwinked too, my friend. I did the same thing. <laughs> my I saw son that asked me, oh, yeah. like, I tell him, you know, what's that moment in life when innocence was lost? It's like, well, there's a couple, you know, like seeing optimus prime die before my very eyes in the movie theater that was tragic but then you know another time whenever i learned don't judge a book by its cover it's not a book son it's an album and it's molly hatchet and you stay away i mean and you know and now in my old age i could totally appreciate molly hatchet for who they are i'm not doubting them at all but but (laughs) they are terribly deceiving with their album art everybody everybody can agree on that they they (laughs) sucked me into and it was like a piece of fruit stripe gum you know you're like oh huh. it was uh, <laughs> and same thing this this catches heat too but danzig i had really strict parents sheltered upbringing so it doesn't matter i don't give a shit but still mm. the artwork for danzig that one album that's the hr giger that oh, like, the the one with the face okay yeah, the see, I, it was kind of i had the same response to molly hatchet that i had with that album because aliens is another like if transformers is my favorite there's aliens as far as like my favorite right. movie I have just worshipped that movie. So seeing that artwork, it's like, well, my God, I got to hear this. Right? Oh. And take it out. And where's where's Metallica? Put my <laughs> back in. This is why I don't venture out. This is why I don't order anything new from the restaurant because it's going to suck and I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> even the even the album title, How the Gods Kill, that sounds like it's going to be a completely thank you brutal, sinister thing. But see, I'd, I'd been uh, exposed to Danzig like, back in like 88 when the first album came out. So I knew better. I love Danzig. I love Danzig, but I didn't fall for that one when that album came out. I knew knew it was in store. So Iron Flame, you're part of what we would call, I don't even know if it's tag. I have it pulled up on Bandcamp, but I don't know if you use the tag or not. This Okay, you've got a new wave of British heavy metal, which is cool. And it's traditional heavy metal. I'll give you that. Yeah. There was some time 
I guess it's been several years, but I never knew. Somewhere or another, someone swapped around the tag for the genre and started calling it new wave of traditional heavy metal, which is the shit that we like. Judas Priest, the painkiller, you know, ladies and gentlemen, please rise for your metal national anthem. (laughs) Painkiller, quite possibly the greatest metal song ever written. That style, I always called it power metal because, and now see, Judas Priest is a bad example. But, you know, bands like Halloween and Hammerfall, things like that is power metal, but it's that typical style, that yeah. offbeat double kick, mm-hmm. and then you've got your your basic machine gun guitar. You can always follow every eight beat with a like that on the drums. It's, you know, paint by numbers metal. Yeah. It's good, but sure. I had always called it power metal. Yeah. But then I see this tag from New Wave of Traditional Heavy Metal. Yeah. So I searched the text of Jesus Christ for like 10 years, a whole decade. <laughs> Oh yeah, bands have been coming out with the painkiller homage. I wish I had known. I just I for a long ass time. Yeah. When did it you did. discover this, or was it organic for you? No, I, it, honestly, I didn't really discover it either until Iron Flame. It's always been huge in Europe. Here, it's always just it hasn't been cool since right. the '90s, right? So, I mean, and that's early '90s. Yeah, it wasn't until that first Iron Flame album came out, people started coming out of the woodwork, fans. And then I'm look, talking to fans and I'm looking at their tastes and I'm seeing all these bands that I've never heard of before. And I'm like, holy shit, there's an entire <laughs> universe of this that I had no idea that existed, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, which is great. It's like a treasure trove, right? It's like yes. All this whole new world of music undiscovered that's been going on for years that I have to to discover now so yeah it was it was a really cool thing but yeah uh, i think in the u.s it's really suppressed over here it's, uh-huh. it's coming around now like in the past couple of years it's starting to gain some traction it's really just been europe and the european market that's always carried the torch for that style of music and never ever let it die thankfully oh my god every band now because there were a couple you know like iron flame i look at this and i think wow that's frank frazetta the musical i am into this <laughs> and just to find this whole genre of just a, a, a symphony of frazetta stuff it's nothing but big titty barbarian chicks <laughs> big muscly dudes hacking shit up with savage weapons yeah maybe a falsetto scream here or there like, yep. yes dragons and sword fights and victory and all that good shit Give me Optimus Prime with some furry boots. Woo! Damn right. <laughs> the good stuff, man. <laughs> Have you toured around with Iron Flame? I mean, once it started to uh, get popular, I, I built a band, like, and which which was which was awesome because I got to hand pick who I wanted. And there's only been a, a two lineup changes since that first inception, and it's pretty much been the same for the past four years now. I think in 2018, it may have been 2017, but I, at least by 2018, it's been the same solid lineup. Yeah, I got to handpick everybody. Some people I've been in bands with before, some I hadn't. I just knew them and knew their skill level and knew that I liked them as people. And yeah, ever since, uh, well, since we started playing out, like one of our first shows was uh, Legions of Metal Festival in Chicago, which is a pretty high profile gig. Yeah. Um, and then we immediately got referred to and got on to Keep It True Festival, mm-hmm. which is a really prestigious event to be on in Germany. And that naturally opened the door for us. And the following year, we did like a proper European tour. 
And we've done a couple of mini tours over here, but like I said, the the climate over here and the scene over here, it's still kind of catching up. So, yeah. but yeah, yeah, we've definitely done um, our handful of our share of festivals over here and abroad. Just went to Europe again this past summer and did Headbangers Open Air Festival in Germany. Did a couple other surrounding club dates, so we made the trip worthwhile. And it's it's our goal. We try and go to Europe once a year if we can. It's heavy metal heaven over there, you guys. It, it really is. My yeah. my buddies who have been over there kind of try to tell me, but words can't put it properly <laughs> how appreciative and diehard everyone is over there when it comes to heavy metal. So, Andrew, you do everything for Iron Flame, right? So I know there's multiple ways to skin a cat, but is there one method or do you usually start with a riff? Do you start with a bass line or do you usually start with lyrics? Is there one that happens more times than not for you? It's a pretty tried and true formula for me with anything that I'm writing. It always starts with riffs Mm. and I'll just sit there with the guitar and my recording software and a click track and if i get a riff that i like i try and form enough riffs around it that i know that i could build a song with it and then i kind of pile it up and then put it over here and then move on and repeat the process and then i'll do all that in waves i'll do all the riffing in waves i'll put it all all the songs together in waves from that point all the instruments go in their own respective waves so it'll go guitar first and then drums and then bass and then normally vocals and then the only thing that i don't ever do on iron flame recordings are guitar solos like i said i'm not a lead guitar player so thankfully i know a lot of fantastic guitar players and for the past two albums three two or three albums i've had the same two guys my live guitar players doing all the solos on the albums as well kick the songs back to me with the solos in them and then we'll go on to mixing and mastering and that's the album where are you going next this past summer was super hectic because most of the things that happened were events that had been were booked in 2020 Mm -hmm. and the pandemic happened the world shut down so all those things were on hold and then we would get asked to do other festivals and then they would get put on hold so they all kind of piled up into this past summer so it was a really busy summer for all three bands but i don't know when you're in three bands i guess it's always a hectic show season Uh, and that's what we do we try and work in seasons like that so like we're at the end of the show season now the last show that i'm performing will be in another week or two and then from that point all three bands and well chachwin too we're all just crawling down into the basements and working on new material. It's kind of good to work like that because it forces the hand of creativity. So right. you're not constantly in the perpetual cycle of preparing for shows because when you are in that process of always rehearsing for shows, you never write anything new. I figured y'all would have a lot of Halloween shows coming up with that band. I, I figured that shit would go like gangbusters, especially with y'all people in Ohio. Y'all take Halloween way too serious. We do. You're you're right about that. <laughs> but uh, no, like I said, we're at the end of the show season now. It's not it, music is not my main deal. That's not what pays the bills. That's for sure. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, I'm a I'm a business owner. I own a tattoo shop, Martin's Ferry, Ohio. It's called Hot Rod. Hot Thank Rod you. Tattoo. Yeah, plug the name. Everybody, go get a tattoo. 
Yep, Hot Rod Tattooing in Martins Ferry. Um, I've been there for 20 years. Now this is going to be my 20-year anniversary coming up. That's what pays the bills, man. It's definitely not music. But, you know, I've never been in it for that. If I was, I would have hung it up a long time ago. Definitely a labor of love, you know. It's what keeps you sane and what, what brings you happiness, you know, among the other joys in your life, of course. Yeah, I don't know what I would do without it. I don't, I'm Seriously, like, I feel like I would have no purpose in life without music getting paid or otherwise you know i do it for free eternally just because it, it, it's who i am it's so much of who i am i wouldn't know what to do without it at this point so you said uh, earlier that iron flame was you just got it out before your friend and it was just going to be a one-off but you got the second album out the very next year so once you started getting attention did you just about face and this is your main focus and you wanted to pound some material out well that's me man i'm just I'm always doing something. I'm kind of restless, musically speaking. Even when I'm in multiple bands, I'm still doing other stuff in addition to those things. And they're normally like, that's why Iron Flame started as a solo project because I, I normally do these, I'll, I'll get like an itch, you know. Man, I, want, I really want to make an old school death metal album. So, you know, I'll crawl in the basement for a month and I'll write an old school death metal album and I'll do all the <laughs> instruments myself. It's only just to keep myself happy and satisfy myself mm -hmm. and, I, you know, shove it down people's throats. Like, here, here's the 18th album that I <laughs> put out in six years or whatever. I don't care if anybody listens to it. I'm just doing it for myself, basically. Mm -hmm. So I would probably always do that. So once that gained popularity, that first album started to get some traction. I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's another album. Here's another one. Yep. You know, once I start focusing on something, I have a hard time looking away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I feel like, especially nowadays, that you have to keep yourself really prolific to keep people's attention just with the internet and social media and everything people's attention spans are like this big now so unless you're constantly in people's faces doing something you're just going to get overshadowed by the next guy or the next 300 guys doing the same thing that you are so yeah. i don't really see it as a competition but it caters to my restless nature to constantly be writing and recording music so mm -hmm. yeah, that and you know because you'll get the itch it's like iron flame as great as it is the symphonic black metal might not exactly fit or right. hell you might just all of a sudden like this case in point this happens to me it happens about every year every other year i will just get on this biggest ninja kick and i just can't pardon the pun and i just can't shake it and i'll have to watch every movie that i can get my hands everything from godfrey ho all the way to american ninja series i'll watch them all ninja yeah. assassin i'll have to play every game i just i'll sit there and just buy shit on ebay i don't have to anymore because i've got them but you know all right. the shinobi games i did it just this past summer i mean i was running through shinobi on the genesis i played all of them and then i ran through ninja gaiden again on the nes and then i started playing uh, metal gear rising it just eventually it was like oh hell gotta do it so then i start writing techno i start writing ninja music that ends up sounding like something from the late 90s techno <laughs> that's rad though there's just a new project and ninja yeah. gaiden man like those are some of like the hardest games in the world to beat damn right Jeez. i love them I the got old ones and the new ones, man. I got video proof. I went through the NES. No cheats, no no Game Genie, no nothing. I ran through them. That's Press rad. start, play, kick ass. Yeah, I, I did it. Well, I commend <laughs> you, like, man. Put it on my tombstone. It's like my greatest life. I peed. <laughs>
that you should be proud, dude. That's a huge accomplishment. Uh, even the the newer one, well, I, I don't keep up with games. So the last one I tried to play was on Xbox 360 or something. And man, I don't think I got past like the second stage. And oh, it was hard like, as shit, overwhelmingly dude. fucking hard. And I just like I threw my hands up. I'm like, it, I'm it's done. Just, yeah, I'm, sorry, I'm trying to have fun here. Right. God I'm like, thanks, people. Yeah, it's too frustrating. <laughs> so what other projects? Yeah, old school death metal like. So we got some beefy barbarian, muscly man, nice traditional metal. Like what you got, vaporwave under there? What else you do? I've done bl the black metal thing. I've done the death metal thing. I've never done the grindcore thing. The stoner rock thing and whatever I'm in the mood for. But even I think with Iron Flame, I think you could, if you grew up listening to old school death metal, you can hear oh, yeah. it in Iron Flame because it's the riffing. And that's the riffing that I grew up on was like that like Swedish death metal, you know, mm -hmm. dismember, entombed, and carnage, and things of the like. So I really gravitated towards, because to me it was like, it was like Evil Maiden, because it was melodic <laughs> and har harmonic. You know, there were harmonies like Iron Maiden, but there were these evil sinister harmonies. So that was the stuff I grew up on, and I, I think it's, it's pretty evident in the riffing in Iron Flame, even though we fit very neatly into the traditional heavy metal box and that's exactly i mean like you say it's about the nowadays it's just staying within those confines of stuff and it, it fits very well i mean yeah you can do whatever you want as long as it's the artwork and it's the aesthetic i don't care if you whip down a casio and yeah, sit there and that'll never change. Like, you're like i'm a, yeah i'm addicted to that style of artwork and i would never put out something for cover art that wasn't like a painting because to me that's that's what traditional heavy metal is it's part of it it's just as vital as the distortion on the guitar, you know, mm -hmm. like it has to be there. So, yeah, don't worry about that. That's never <laughs> going to change as far as Iron Flame is concerned. You one of those gearheads with your equipment or are you just more of a pragmatist? Oh, yeah. I became a pretty big gear nerd for a few years. I'm sitting in my basement studio right now and for, uh, I don't know, the better part of 10, 15 years, I would record demos for younger bands you know be their first recording experience i would record their demos for them and every dime that i made from recording those bands i would just invest into gear for the studio i'd buy a new microphone or a new preamp or something like that holding um, sam ash cat i go oh i gotta get one of the new dat machines oh yeah so yeah I've, yeah i've acquired a good bit of recording <laughs> gear and i really i became you know kind of obsessed with it and snobby with it for a while and then i <laughs> started realizing it's it has very little to do with that and it's really all about the music and it doesn't matter the music comes first right. and good music translates no matter if you're running it through a three thousand dollar piece of equipment or a thirty dollar piece of equipment you know i got a pretty impressive collection of tube amps that i like to pull from and experiment with as far as guitar sounds go i tried to do something different guitar tone wise with every album so it doesn't sound the same so yeah i'm a, i mean i'm a bit of a, a gear nerd but I've, I've slimmed it down a good bit over the past year few years but, too you know the gear acquisition that's fine people have and if people love it that's their hobby i ain't gonna have fun that ain't me but right. what's your guitar because that is it's like harry potter's wand what's your guitar that speaks to you what's the one that you pick up and play what's the one that you grab you, I mean, you probably got several, but you know, I mean, what uh, are well, they? Again, uh, yeah, I've I've sold almost all of them off, except for I have a blue Mexican Fender Strat. I will never let that thing go. I've <laughs> every Iron Flame album on that guitar. 
I've modified it, you know, over the years a little bit. But again, just like the album covers, I, I couldn't imagine recording an Iron Flame album without that Strat. You know, a lot of people would think that like a, a Stratocaster isn't a very heavy metal guitar. It's a very heavy metal guitar, let me assure you. I don't know, it's just super comfortable. It's like hanging out with an old friend. The riffs just come out as soon as I hold it in my hand. It's it's effortless. Yeah, I would never part with that thing. I'm staring at it lovingly right now. Directly <laughs> <laughs> in my field of vision right now. I mean, people who say Strat and the necessarily heavy metal guitar, I mean, Iron Maiden. Exactly. That's all, that's all Dave Murray has ever played. Damn right. Yep. And it, this looks like a left-handed version of Dave Murray's guitar. It really does. Mm. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. So you said, are you, did, did, did you have it? Let me look at it. Hold on. I don't... Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Dude. Here's the beauty. Shoot, yeah. I'm looking at it backwards, so it's, it's my baby. You said it's blue? Yeah, I don't know. if you, It's kind of like a... It kind of almost looks like a blurple. Yeah, it looks the, kind of purple on the screen. It's got that... Uh, it's got that late 80s Bigfoot monster. It, I mean, in some light, it looks black, too. But, yeah, I think it's like a royal blue or something is what they call it. I don't know. But it does look purple on the screen there. I can see very plainly. But it, it's definitely blue. Yeah, That's a lovely beast. That's very my nice. baby. Thanks. So, Andrew, yeah. I was uh, reading a bunch of your interviews before we did this tonight, and there was an answer that kind of shot me because you said that you shy away or that you don't like writing lyrics or that you kind of struggle writing lyrics, and that's kind of shocking to me because I love your lyrics. So what's the rub? <sighs> They're just a fucking chore, man. Pain I don't in know. The ass. I know. <laughs> like, that's uh, why I write instrumentals. It's like, it's like writing anything. It's like it, I feel like I've been given an assignment and yeah. anyone's to be given an assignment, right? It, it's just like the music and everything will come so natural and then when it comes time to do that, I'm just like, oh, fuck. I like I can hear the I'll hear the patterns, you know, I'll I'll hear like the the vocal melodies. But as far as coming up with like, what the fuck am I going to write about now? You know, what hasn't been written about or, you I know. feel like we would be good friends. That yeah. I could, just, <laughs> I mean, we think the same way. If it's I all could, been done, you know. If I could say it, I wouldn't write the music if right. I didn't know how to say what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, and then you have to be like eloquent, you know, clever with the words. And uh, I don't know. I'm just too much of a caveman when it comes to that kind of stuff. I just don't feel like... Like, I, it doesn't come naturally to me. So, yeah, like, especially those early, those first two albums, the majority of the third album, I will just, I'll write the, I'll literally think of something that comes off the top of my head and I will commit to it then and there. And I yeah. won't think about it. I won't write it down. I'll just record it as I'm like, okay, well, this line will work. And I'll just put it in there and I commit to it. I don't second guess it. <laughs> it's so work. There. That's it. Somewhere it there. has. I mean, there, there's a few. There's been a few songs, you know, like uh, <laughs> you know that first song on the last album, on Blood Red Victory. There was too much room, and I like I I couldn't come up with things on the top of my head. I had to sit down and write. I, I wasn't dissatisfied with what I did, but the whole time I I was doing it, I felt like I was taking a test. You know, mm. I just. It, I know. It, I, I can. it just wrings my brain out like a wet towel. I just can't take it, man. It's just the biggest <laughs> chore in the world to me. Just mentioned, so. you know, somewhere in there you just mentioned bangs in your hair. You got the furry boots and furry underwear, blood, and savage weapons, and mentioned something about victory and warrior and your good. Yeah, guy. exactly. Those <laughs> key words. If you, you throw some key words in there, normally you know you can fake your way through it. I guess. Or you could pull the ball Sega off and just narrate the damn thing. God, I love them so much. Oh, yeah, they're amazing. But what are you going to do? Well, let's just narrate the novel. Uh, they come up with the entire... Yeah, each, <laughs> each album is like an entire 
novel that has like a universe inside of it. I, I don't love know them. how they do it. I well, you no know, uh, Byron Roberts, he writes novels that like he has taken because he was the vocalist for Paul Sagoth. So he has yeah. taken that and now writes his own sword and sorcery stories. He should. I mean, and, and he's good. Well, <laughs> he's yeah. Like, Really, one of the best books I have read in a long time. He co-wrote with the Howie and Matt from Cauldron Born. Cauldron Born, sorry, oh, Howie okay. and Matt, I, I apologize, <laughs> but uh, it's called Karnov. And read that shit, dude. Byron Roberts, okay. uh, like the writing is incredible. Okay. <laughs> Byron Roberts wrote like the last third. Yeah, nothing but admiration for people who write. I don't know. It just it always seems like such an insurmountable thing to me. That yeah, guys like that that could just spit off all these weave these intricate tales and plots and characters and realms. Uh, I just I, I don't know how they do it. The last album was the only album that lyrics came pretty naturally to me, and that's because I actually had things to write about. And <laughs> well, it's because it was a pandemic album, right. and the whole album revolves around the theme of madness. So. Like there was plenty of madness around me. So I was just pulling madness from different parts of my life and everybody else's life and putting it, putting pen to paper. So it was a lot easier to do that. But yeah, most of the time when the world isn't falling apart, I really don't have too much inspiration to draw from because, you know, I like my life. It's, it's pretty fun, but that's not very metal to write about. So. <laughs> I know you it's know, a it kind of, kind of sucks whenever we're content. Life is good. It's like, right. Well, you know, it's like kind of hard to come across like ultimate badass spitting blood yeah. and stuff. It's like, I mean, the- I'm sure the guy from Balsegoth can make the chicken dinner that he ate earlier that evening a metal epic tale, but I cannot. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that guy. So, <laughs> like I said before, if I knew how to say it, I wouldn't write instrumentals. I wouldn't need exactly. to write music. <laughs> Much exactly. the same way, it's like that's been the crux with doing audio drama it's like why do i make audio drama because i can't write a full novel i get bored with it i like i can't string the sentences together and i can't make a movie because i don't have a video camera and i don't have the time to do that so yes. yeah audio drama you can just focus on the important shit and then move on to the next thing before i yep. get bored <laughs> yeah i feel the same way <laughs> so iron flame came out in well july so shit what else you got going on well it's still technically getting released because the cd came out in july we're still waiting on the vinyl because vinyl takes so long to produce nowadays manufacture so it should be out the vinyl should be out by the end of this month i guess it's kind of nice because the cd comes out and you know it enjoys a big wave of hype and fanfare and now the vinyl version is going to come out and then it's going to kind of get another you know shot of hype and fanfare people will be collecting the vinyl and be talking about it for a couple of months hopefully and then yeah just getting ready for the next record just like i always do once one comes out i'm just put my head down and start working on the next one so that's what this winter is going to be all about is the next iron flame as fans that's what we like to hear i gotta keep them coming for you for sure fans will be happy with it i'm not against doing like eps or anything like that i would i would do that and i've often thought about it i think a couple of like the second album and this last most recent album both i went into it with the intent of them being eps like five songs or something brimstone coven so i mean do y'all have anything no we just played our last show of the year a weekend ago yeah, so now we're in the process. We've been writing this whole year, but then again, you get sidetracked because right. you have shows coming up, so you can't work on the new stuff. So now that the shows are out of the way, we have 
an album's full worth of songs on the table. We just need to put them all together. We still need to learn three or four of them that were demoed, but they've never been actually like played and learned. So we need to do that over the next couple of months. And the plan is at the beginning of the year to start recording that new album. Yeah, it'll come out on Ripple Music again, which was the label that put out our previous album. Who knows? Iron Flame is self-published, or do you have a label? The first one was self-published and then got picked up pretty quickly by Dive Bomb Records, as far as a CD format, and then a couple of different smaller labels put it out on vinyl, and that repeated for the next few albums. And then we recently signed to High Roller Records in Mm. Germany for this most recent album. So they're putting out both formats. They're putting out the CD and the vinyl. That European representation is so important. I mean, in this in this style of music, it's incredibly important. Yes. Yeah, and just like whenever you find a good one that actually believes in it, it just it feels so rewarding yeah. <laughs> to actually have like a European label think that highly that they're willing to do it. That I guess vinyl must cost them like five dollars a pop over there because I don't it, know, it man. Sure don't cost that over here. No, I don't. I don't know if it's necessarily much cheaper over there. The labels that I was working with prior to this, like I said, were smaller labels. I was working with a one-man label out of Switzerland for years on the past two albums prior to this one. We were one-on-one. You know, it wasn't a big thing. So I talked to him personally all the time, and I don't. I think it's a pretty comparable price to where if you were to get records pressed over here. Yeah, I don't think it's much cheaper over there. I guess it's just, well, obviously it's a better market, but somehow or another, I mean, when you talk about the one-man label, I mean, that's me, and I just do short runs. So it's, uh, I made more money selling cassettes. In I 2022, it. I made more money selling cassettes in the past two years than I've made in my entire life Isn't that of crazy? trying to do music. It, it's insane. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> we, put, we put out the album before this, uh, we put out like maybe 50 cassettes or something. Wow, I still have people hitting me up now about the new one. Hey, is it going to be on cassette? You want <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not that cost prohibitive. I mean, it for me, it depends on the style. I mean, I'm I'm not a snob. Well, I'm an audiophile. I'm not a snob. Yeah. But depending on what I listen to, now, if it's something I'm just going to sit there and beat the shit out of my steering wheel, well, there you go. I need it on CD. Right. Uh, but then, you know, if it's like top tenors, of course, I'm going to get those like the Desert Island albums I'm going to get on vinyl. But generally, right. like sitting around the house, I just, I prefer vinyl. I, yeah. I don't really sure. dig cassette. Same. I don't, I don't know if I've listened to any of the releases that came out on cassette in the past couple of years that I was involved in. I was like, oh, cool. It's a tape. And then put it away. I'll have to, like, if I release it, I have to at least give it a little quality test. Yeah. And, and I got burned on that last year, basically to make sure that my mixing doesn't suck. So well, I'll put it in and be like, oh, thank God, it sounds okay. Yeah, Woo! Right. Okay, let's sell them. All 25 yeah. of them. <laughs> and thankfully, my, my label guy, when he, when he put it out on cassette, I was like, well, does it sound good? Did you listen to it? He's like, yeah, I listened to it. It sounds great. I'm like, okay, I don't think I ever listened to it myself. As long as, long as he said that. Yeah, I just believed me. him, yeah. That's it. Well, that's how I am. It's like if I submit for something yeah. like a compilation or something like, did you listen to it? Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, of course it does. <laughs> Well, I mean, thank God. These are songs I've heard thousands of times. You know, I've heard them more than anyone else. So, yeah, if you think it sounds good, then it sounds good. Fine. Fix that. And you're like, fuck, didn't hear this. Go back and fix it. And you repeat that hundreds of times. Hundreds. To to the point where you absolutely never want to hear these songs ever again. And then you're like, okay, it sounds great. I never want to hear it ever again. (laughs) 
there's a freedom there because you know the rawness you know the lack of production value in that genre of music kind of is liberating because you you don't have to sit there and tool over the sounds of things you're creating an atmosphere by how unmixed and unprocessed it sounds so there's a level of instant gratification there too you're like oh does it sound grim okay then it's cool (laughs) it's got some grimness hell yeah yeah. oh yeah because i listen to music like that and i think how on earth like there are like hundreds of voices and strings and all this stuff going on how do these guys mix this so perfectly right like there's not one thing out of place not one thing is too loud or doesn't come in at the right time like this is so perfectly orchestrated i have no idea who would have the time and the patience (laughs) you know to sit down and create something and mix something that well (laughs) i think we probably killed enough of your evening by this point yeah andrew we've been uh we kept you a little long here sorry about that that's cool man i I will i will jaw jack about music all day every day so yeah please forgive me (laughs) <laughs> to put a nice bow on it, just tell folks where they can buy Iron Flame stuff and what you got coming up. Well, we're on all the streaming platforms. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. We're on YouTube. We're on Bandcamp. Our our, our Bandcamp is ironflame.bandcamp.com. We have all of our merchandise available up on there, every uh, available format, uh, shirts, patches pins you name it like i said just look out for another album hopefully about a year from now and i'll pop i'll chime in and say now i don't know when i don't know when this episode drops but there will be three more Bandcamp fridays coming up so i'm not you know go and buy a cd from iron flame but do it on a Bandcamp friday because we the artists get all the money that's true on those Bandcamp fridays nobody takes out any little thing or the little percentages or nothing like that we get the full cut so wait till the Bandcamp Friday before we start buying stuff. And thank you for that, Bandcamp. If there's anybody thank, uh, yes. that works at Bandcamp listening, we are very grateful for that. Thank you very much. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. It's such a such a boost. Like, and of course, whenever it's a Friday morning, you open up your email, and it's like, wow, just yes. page after page. All of a sudden, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> okay, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, but okay. then... Later on, if you've released a new album, that's what you see. The cha-chings. It's a labor of love. It always will be. That's it. But, dude, I meant what I said. If you ever want some orchestrations or if you want anything like that. I, dude, I'm definitely going to take you up on that. There, there's no doubt about it. I don't yeah. know if I have your email. but I'll pass, I'll pass you guys' emails yeah. to each other. Yep. Yeah. He will do, man. But, dude, th- thank you so much. Like, I heard Justin sent me a link for Iron Flame. Had it part of my daily workout at the gym, so I popped it in, and I'm just sitting there ripping shit up with it. You know, I kind of blacked out. 45 minutes later, I woke <laughs> up, got you know, bar was bent sideways, and I had teeth marks running down the easy bar where I was doing some <laughs> curls. We were super effective. <laughs> yeah. really good really good shit, man. I love it. I wanted to get you on here and just at least chew the fat with you about it. So, yeah, man, for sure. It's been awesome, dude. Thank you so much. All right, Andrew. We Thank appreciate you, you, man. Justin. Thank you. I appreciate you uh, having me on here. It's a pleasure. Right. You have a All good right, night, man. You. All right, folks. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Andrew. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back next time. Monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs>
all-access look into the mind and the heart of the demon. We're talking band history, song analysis, studio anecdotes, stories from the road. It's everything a diehard Night Demon fan could want and more. This is the only place to learn the inside scoop, the deep dive trivia, the untold tales from the band members themselves and those closest to the Night Demon story. Need more? The sacred Night Demon crypt will be pried open to reveal demo recordings that have never before seen the light of day. All with in-depth commentary by the band and the people who were there for the writing and recording process. This is a gold mine, a treasure trove of all things Night Demon. Head over to nightdemon.net or wherever you listen to podcasts.